Rails Coach Podcast, Episode 15, Paired Programming. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Rails Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Maxwood, and uh, I have a few announcements before we get started. We are going to be talking about paired programming today, uh, but before we get going, I just want to talk about a few things. One is, is that the next episode is going to be an interview with Dave Thomas. Um, I'm recording this on Thursday the 1st, and uh, I will be interviewing Dave tomorrow afternoon. Um, so if you have questions or comments, it's too late. Sorry. Um, please take the survey. The survey is at railscoach.com slash survey. Um, with the recent website change, and you may have noticed this, it's my next announcement. Um, I'm not sure if I set the link up for that, but it will be up by the time this episode comes out. So uh, go check it out and take the survey. Um, what happened was with the website, sorry to switch gears on you like that. With the website, what happened was... Um, I was posting a lot of things relating to programming, Ruby on Rails, kind of my opinion about certain things, and uh, it it just kind of clicked with me that uh, the the messages of RailsCoach.com and CharlesMaxWood.com were kind of the same message. Um, one was about becoming a better programmer. The other was um, had some articles on that and some just tips and tricks for Ruby and Rails programming. And so I decided that I may as well just merge the two. And, and that way all of my programming information is in one place and I don't have to go and try and update two spots at the same time. So if you like it, if you don't like it, let me know. I, I'm really keenly interested in feedback on this. I did change the layout. Um, it doesn't actually conform to what either site was before, um, but uh, I think it's a move for the better. Um, it was something that was recommended to me at PodCamp Salt Lake by uh, David Bernstein, who does the Fredcast, which is a cycling uh, cast. So if you go look at the thefredcast.com, uh, you'll see that I, I'm using the same WordPress layout, and to be honest, I thought it really rocked, and so I just wanted to, you know, take advantage of that. So go check it out. Uh, let me know what you think. I am going to be updating it over the next few days, um, so if you notice anything strange, uh, let me know, and uh, I, I'll be happy to take care of that. Um, I am looking for sponsors. Um, I recently switched to Libsyn, which is a hosting service for podcast episodes. And um, so you may have noticed a little bit faster download speeds, or you may have even noticed that the files are coming from somewhere else. Um, don't be alarmed. That's the way it is. But it has given me a better picture of who is actually using the content. And uh, I signed up a week ago, and I've already had over four, uh, four or 500 downloads. So, uh, you know... Um, if, if you want to reach that audience and let me know, uh, you can you can call me or email me. Just go to the website and uh, click on contact me and all my contact information is there. Um, finally, I am trying to get together enough money for an Ederall recorder. Um, what happened was at Mountain West RubyConf, um, I met up with Dan Cub, Miles Forrest, um, James Britt, Gregory Brown, um, if you don't know who these people are, they're, they're all pretty well involved in the, the Ruby community and, uh, Matt's was around, you know, just all of these different people that I really could have sat down and talked to and said, Hey, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? What, you know, what, what's different with what you're doing from the mainstream, especially with data mapper since active record is so mainstream with the Ruby on rails community, you know, just to talk about why it's there and, 
and you know the different approach and, and give you an idea of how you can kind of branch out and, and build something that works for you. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't have that opportunity because I didn't have a good way to record those. Um, I just couldn't set up my computer and and then uh, you know huddle over the mic. So you know I, I would really like it. Uh, they look like they cost about three hundred dollars. So uh, I would really greatly appreciate any donations there. Um, I did announce this in the last podcast, and then I switched the site over and never put the pledgey link up on the new site. So I will do that uh, tonight. And uh, so please, please, all I'm looking for is like five bucks. You know, it, it's like buying me a cup of coffee. That's all. That's that's all it really is. And uh, when you do that, it'll go toward that, and then I can get these great episodes in here. All right, so now I'm going to move over to uh, kind of what we're going to be talking about, and this is paired programming. Now, when I first started doing paired programming, you know, the first time I paired with anyone, it was actually in school. I was going to Brigham Young University, and uh, it it was kind of a programming practices class, but there's just no way that you can cover that, like, in two to three hours a week over the course of, like, four months. Um, and really do it justice because they weren't just talking about like one uh, one set of practices like extreme programming or anything else. I mean, they talked about, we talked about waterfall and we talked about testing and we talked about XP and we talked about this and that and the other. And so you know you you really don't get a good feel for pair programming. And at the end of the day, um, in all of your other classes, you're graded on what your code does, and you're not really expected or even encouraged to collaborate. In fact, if you did collaborate on your software, <clears throat> I honestly think that they probably would have failed you for cheating. So, you know, my my beginning software experience wasn't paired. Um, and as I moved on, you know, there was always so much work and, you know, the idea of pairing, you know, it just, it didn't make sense to, to any of the upper-ups because you were effectively paying for two people to do the job of one person. So, you know, it only really happened if you were trying to bring somebody up to speed or teach them a new concept or something like that. And, you know, then it would only last for a half hour or an hour, and then you would split back off and get to work. Um, so that, that's, that's been, that was my early experience with uh, paired programming. Excuse me, I have a little bit of a cold. Anyway, so um, w- now my experience with paired programming um, is a little bit different. Um, I did a little bit of research a while back when I was the team lead over the project that I was working on at PMA Media Group. Um, I was just looking for ways to increase productivity at, and at the same time increase um, uh, reliability on the software because we were having serious reliability problems at the time. And uh, there, there were several reasons for that. I'm not going to go into it. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I ran across was uh, a friend of mine, Michael Moore, um, not the video director or the movie director. Um, he's a local programmer here. Uh, he lent me a book about extreme programming. And uh, in the book, you know, they talk about all kinds of things, including pairing. And so we started to implement some of the things. You know, we set up a big... Uh, whiteboard that you could move the tasks across and you know all kinds of stuff we started doing meetings in the morning for like 10 minutes standing meetings and all that stuff and we did a whole lot more paired programming and uh, at, at there I really got a better idea of paired programming and just what it's about um, the first thing is is that it's not mentoring 
you know, if two of you sit down at the same computer so one of you can teach the other one something, that's not paired programming. It's not the same thing. Because with paired programming, the idea is, is that you have two people who are kind of on the same playing field that will be, uh, you know, they'll both be contributing. So <clears throat> in the case of, uh, of what we were doing at PMA Media Group, you know, we would we would sit down together and if one of us had input we would just you know blurt it out and and you know we would let the discussion kind of go where it would so that we could get the job done and do the best job that we could on it you know and we made sure that we traded off and things like that um you know at the core of pair programming obviously you do have one computer and two programmers and the idea is is that you're both working on the same code at the same time um, one, one thing that really struck me with paired programming, and, and I'm just going to kind of do the, I'm going to go over the, the basics and go over some of the things that I've seen. And then, and then, and then I'll talk about some of the disadvantages and advantages that I perceive with paired programming. Um, Hashrocket, um, they're a development firm in Florida, um, run by Obi Fernandez. You may have, uh, run across the rails way. It's a, it's a book about Ruby on rails that he wrote. Um, each of their workstations has one Mac Mini, two monitors, two keyboards, two mice. They've got these big tables that are like six and a half feet by three feet, you know, or he's, I think he said two meters by one meter. But, you know, my kitchen table is about six feet long, and I could probably sit three people across on it or at it, you know, and uh, they, they don't have any private seats. And, uh, you know, they, they have space on either side of the table for uh, MacBook Pros that they give to each of their developers. So that's the setup that they have. And so you come in, you collaborate with whoever you're going to collaborate with, and you just sit wherever. Um, one of the advantages that I see to this, and this is where I'm going to get into kind of my opinion about this, one of the advantages I see is just that, you know, everybody kind of owns all of the code. You know, since you don't have your own chair, you don't, you know, you don't have specialized responsibility. And the nice thing is, um, I think uh, one of my coworkers kind of measures um, measures the. I don't know the exact word for it, but basically the depth of coverage. I guess he measures it in buses. And so, basically, if you have um, if you have one person that can cover a certain part of the code nobody else can then you have one bus coverage because it would only take one accident one bus hitting that guy to take out all your coverage for that um, the the other thing that that's uh, that's interesting about that is not just the coverage but uh, that you can actually get involved and get involved in different projects and that was another thing that I really thought was interesting um, so you don't have the specialists. You have everybody understanding all parts of the code. And everybody's responsible for all parts of the code. And, and that's something that's really, really important. Uh, because if everybody owns all of the code, then anybody can go and refactor any part of the code to make it better. And if you have that level of collaboration and that level of responsibility, then you can do a whole lot more because then it doesn't matter that so-and-so touched so-and-so's code and blah, 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 blah. You know, you just make sure that uh, in the end, your code looks better than their code did that you refactored. Um, now, there are a few disadvantages, or at least some of them are perceived disadvantages, and uh, some of them are really hard to 
distinguish whether you know whether there are really disadvantages or not. Um, one of the disadvantages is it does tie up two people. I mean, if you're pair programming, there are two of you. You're doing the same job. You're working the same thing, and so yeah, it ties up two people. Um, at the same time. Uh, you have people who are worried about cost, and two people cost more than one person. It's it's pretty simple. And so if you have two per people working on the same code at the same time, then it would at least appear that you're paying twice as much to get the same amount of work done that one person could do. Now, the flip side is, is that um, when you're working in pairs, I found that uh, you get more done than if you would work alone. Some people swear that you get like... Uh, two and a half to three times the amount of work done. I haven't seen that. That's not my experience. My experience is that you get probably one and a half, maybe a little bit more um, times the amount of work done working in a pair is working by yourself, which means that there is a loss. But the flip side is, is that the code is usually much better quality. And if the code's higher quality, that means you don't have to spend as much time debugging and fixing problems on the other end. So if you add that together, it could... And I think in a lot of cases does, and in other cases doesn't, equate to two times the work accomplished. So it really just depends on your perception of what you're accomplishing and how much work you're saving yourself and your code quality as you pair. Now, if you have a difference of opinion with me, that's fine. I would love to hear about it. Um, so if you think that pair programming, you do get the two to three to four to five times the amount of work done with two people, then call in 801-753-8279. Uh, leave me a message and just tell me why I'm wrong, why I'm right, what your experience is, um, and what you think. And we'll play it back on the show. I mean, this is a show for you, and I really want to get the opinions of the people out there. So, you know, by all means, you know, leave me a message. Let me know what you think. Um, one other thing that I've noticed that uh, for me... Uh, sometimes is that pair programming is a little inconvenient. Um, now this is a real minor issue because you do get a lot more work done. Um, yeah, it it does help keep you on task, which is an advantage. Um, but you know, sometimes it just I just want to sit down and I want to code it and I want to figure it out and I want to work through the problem and I want to experience that kind of experience or growth. And so for me, sometimes it's just inconvenient, but it's a personal preference thing. It's not because it's wrong. Um, and, and that being said, I really feel like it's not really for everybody. So if you're interested in it, try it out. Uh, if you're going to try it, I recommend that you try it for several weeks um, and, and kind of ease into it. Do it for a couple hours and then do it for half the day and then do it for the entire day and then do that for a couple of weeks where you're doing it all day. Uh, the reason is is because, you know, it's something you have to get used to. You have to learn how to do it, and you have to learn how to communicate with the people that you're working with. And otherwise, it just feels kind of weird to be sitting there um, watching some other guy code or, you know, be sitting there and having some other guy watch you code. So, you know, just in general, that that's, uh, that's my experience. That That's what I recommend. Um, one other thing that I've seen with pair programming is that... Um, it, it decreased the amount of flexibility in some ways. Um, that's mainly due to the fact that, uh, you know, you don't have as many people to throw at as many problems. 
And so since you don't have as many people to cover all of the different uh, possible issues there, uh, it can actually appear that you're getting less done, which may or may not be the case. So, you know, these are just things that you should be aware of. Um, you know, in general, if you have uh, more people coding the same code, then, you know, you have a better understanding across the team and that gives you more flexibility. Now, finally, what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk over or talk about some of the, the requirements for good pair programming. Um, you'll find that different people kind of come at it from different ways, but there are some basic things that you have to have uh, in order to get the most uh, from your pair programming. Uh, the first is, is you have to have a certain level of communication. Um, you have to be able to talk to each other, and this isn't just, you know, speaking the same language or things like that. Um, what I'm talking about is that, uh, you know, if you have two people that are at different levels, you still have to be able to work together and communicate as equals. You know, it doesn't matter if one guy's been programming for 10 years and the other guy's been programming for one. Uh, what really matters is that you're able to sit down and both offer your ideas uh, as you flow through the code uh, to make it the best that it can be. And uh, if you can't communicate well, if you can't express what you, what you want to do or what you need changed, you know, a lot of times that's okay. You know, communication isn't all verbal. You can actually just say, hey, can I drive? Or, you know, you know, reach over and see if you can get the keyboard and then just, you know, show them what you want to do. I mean, that's communication. But that, that has to be open. You know, nobody, can, nobody should be taking offense that somebody else jumped in and changed the way that they did things. Um, so you should be able to be a good communicator both in expressing what you want to change as well as accepting change once it's brought up. Um, another issue that comes up, and this is something that Obi touched on in his article, um, is that people have to be willing to work together. You know, if you have the jerk in the office or you have, you know, the one guy that's uh, smelly or, you know, whatever the issue is, you know, if if somebody can't sit by them and work with them for an entire day, they're the wrong person for pair programming. It doesn't matter how good a communicator they are, they it won't work because the other person won't be comfortable pairing with them. And that really just hampers the entire process, especially the communication. Um, one other thing is the skill level. And I think skill level is important. Um, this is one of the reasons why I left my last job was that I felt like I was working all the time with people who were at a lower skill level with Ruby on Rails than I was at. You know, they, they weren't necessarily worse programmers, but they, they didn't have the experience in Ruby on Rails, and it made it really difficult for me to actually learn stuff. And in a lot of cases, it, it kind of interrupted the flow because every time that I wanted to do something, I'd have to stop and explain what I was doing so that, uh, <clears throat> so that they would actually be able to do the work. Um, this wasn't always the case, and it wasn't consistent across any one programmer. But at the same time, you know, a lot of times I just wanted to flow and code and, you know, move at my own speed, and it was really hard to do that. So if you have people that are about the same skill level or, you know, at least somebody who can keep up with the more senior guy, then uh, that really, really helps the flow with uh, pair programming. And finally, there's the setup. And Obi, he talked in his article about the setup that they have, and, and I went over that. But the thing that I think is 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 nice there is that, you know, the, they have these big tables that two people can kind of roll up to in their office chairs and, and sit next to each other and work. And I have yet to work in an environment where two people could sit, you know, side by side at the same table 
and, and do that kind of work. I mean, in my current workstation, I could probably manage it, but it would be really close quarters. Um, whereas, you know, they have those nice big desks and, uh, it would be really nice, you know, and, and for me, you know, that's really the, the power there is that, you know, you're sitting there together side by side, you know, as a team working on the same thing. Um, I found that pair programming generally works better on smaller teams because people know each other better and get along a little bit better, but it can work on larger teams too. Um, I don't really have anything else that I want to add. Uh, but if you have something to add to this conversation, I am really interested in hearing what you have to say because my, my pair programming experience um, isn't something that I have done uh, all day, every day for an extended period of time. And I think the perspective might be a little bit different. So if you've been there, you know, leave a comment on the blog or, you know, go and, and leave me a voicemail, 801-753-8279. Email me, podcast at railscoach.com. Or you can, you know, you can leave a message for me on Twitter or any number of other ways. Um, so in, in wrapping this up, I'd just like to remind you, you know, I, I reminded you of the feedback. Go take the survey. Railscoach.com slash survey. And, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate the feedback. And I would also appreciate you either donating directly through PayPal or donating to get that editor all so that I can do those uh, interviews in a more convenient fashion. And uh, that's all. So go out and become a better developer.